0: Gluten is an allergen and more and more people are choosing to reduce their gluten intake from their diet or to eliminate it altogether. How do you live a gluten-free life? We'll give you the answers today. Living gluten-free, keeping it healthy and delicious every day. Today on An Organic Conversation, your show on everything that makes life worth living. Helberg.
1: And I'm Sita Rani Palomar.
0: Today, we are getting a lot of inspiration from a fabulous guest who has truly figured out how to make a gluten-free lifestyle yummy and exciting in a way that does not make you miss grains or gluten-containing products at all. But let's start off with a comment that we've got from one of our listeners, Sita
1: so, we got a question on Facebook recently from a listener who was responding to an article that we published on Mind Body Green that was all about essential oils and simple ways you can work aromatherapy into your lifestyle. And I had commented that I use essential oils for all kinds of things, including when I have cramps. And she had written to say, you know, I read the article, but I didn't see any of the essential oils that you recommend for cramps. So, thank you so much for asking this question. I wrote her back and recommended a handful of oils. Rosemary essential oil, which is an antispasmodic, German chamomile, which calms inflammation, lavender, clary, sage, marjoram, and rose, which are all also very soothing, and then the steps to make a hot compress. But, you know, there are a couple other tips that I want to share on this topic, and it's whenever cramps set in, the first thing I do is I reach for cramp bark, and I find it to be so incredibly helpful. It's a tincture, and it basically replaces all of those like extra strength, mild all things and it's a it's a natural herbal botanical tincture and then the other thing i do is make chai tea because chai tea contains a lot of these spices that are anti and anti-inflammatory so we're going to do an entire episode on chai later this season but we wanted to shout out to the listener share the information that we shared with her and uh, invite you to talk to us on facebook or to send us an email
0: yeah, and the email is contact at organicmedianetwork.com for all your inquiries. You can also just go to anorganicconversation.com and see how to find us and how to get in touch with us. And as Sita just said, of course, Facebook is always a great venue to do that and share your expertise and share your questions. And lots of people are actually responding to one another, so it's becoming kind of this community of people of the, the best tried and true approaches to life. It, we love that. Yeah,
1: there's like an immediate <laughs> feedback loop that happens with Facebook because somebody can send you something right away and other people can respond. So, you know, we do get recommendations from listeners in Japan about how to dry their own ginger and make f- ground ginger powder for beverages. And then we get, you know, questions about what kind of essential oils are good for cramps. So write us with your recommendations and your questions and we'll spread them around the community.
0: It's your network. We're just here to facilitate. <laughs> (laughs) 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 And we are an organic conversation. I'm Helga Helberg. And
1: I'm Sitarani Palomar.
0: Living gluten-free, keeping it healthy and delicious every day, our topic in this hour. Um, But we'll start off, as always, with our tip from the world of health and beauty. And that's Sitarani Palomar and her holistic bite.
1: Well, today I want to revisit a favorite trick that saves me so much time in the kitchen. You know, I put together salads as quickly as possible, (laughs) and some people follow the same method. You can also make your salads as labored as you would like if you're doing something really um, extensive and indulgent. But for me, most nights of the week, it's like chopping a few different lettuces, romaine, radicchio, and endive are my favorites, and then putting on a shaving of Parmesan cheese over top. But other nights, if I'm feeling like I really want to treat myself to something, I'll chop some olives and some feta and some fresh dill and cucumber and tomato and red onion and make a Greek salad. But either way, by the time my ingredients are prepped, I'm ready to eat, but I still need to make a vinaigrette. And I never buy vinaigrette. I've talked about this on air before because it's so simple to make. All you need is oil, an acid, and if you'd like, an emulsifier. So frequently the oil that I use is olive oil, but you can use any different kind of oil that you like. My new favorite has been walnut oil, which I talked about in a recent Holistic Bite because it's so good for your skin and for your the health of your cells because of the omega-3s. And then the acid can be lemon juice, it can be apple cider vinegar, balsamic vinegar, champagne vinegar, anything that you like that's nice and tangy like that. And if you choose to use an emulsifier, what it does is it helps the oil and the vinegar to stay mixed because these are two unmixable things. So, so good emulsifiers are mustard, honey, miso, and nut butters. So here's the genius trick. You take these three components, the oil, the acid, and the emulsifier, if you're using it, or just two components if you're not, add a little salt and pepper into a jar with the lid, and then shake it. Just shake it up and you're done. Literally, that's all it takes to finish your salad because the shaking method is gonna emulsify that vinaigrette. You take the lid off, you pour it over your greens. This this is just going to save you a lot of time. I have a, a chef that I used to work with at Bowman College who used to p- have her kids do it. She was like, get all that energy out, give them the jar, have them shake it up before dinner. So you can take as much or as little time as you'd like getting your vegetables together for your salad knowing that you can put together a really fresh preservative-free dressing in 30 seconds or less. And that's this week's Holistic Bite.
0: Love it. Thank you, Sita. And you can taste it before. You know, when you mix ingredients, oil and vinegar, over your salad, once it's done, you can miss the target, really. Yeah. Too much oil, too much vinegar, and you can't reduce the vinegar, and then it's all soggy. So this way you have it, you can taste it, you can add some spices to it, or herbs if you like, and then you just dose it the way you want to. Yeah, nice. and
1: the recommendation I always make is taste your vinaigrette with one of the salad ingredients, whether it's a leaf of lettuce ah, so or it's a, it's a vegetable that you've cut, so you have the bitterness
0: of the greens to, to run exactly. it by. Uh-huh. Yeah,
1: because you may think that the, the vinaigrette is too salty, but that flavor is going to just be dissipated Abserved. in everything. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. Try, try it out.
0: Wonderful. Yes, we're staying with food. Living Gluten-Free, Keeping It Healthy and Delicious Every Day, our topic today. And we're excited to be speaking with a fabulous author and amazing chef to give us the inspiration and framework to live gluten-free with certainty, creativity, flavor, and excitement. All that and more when we come back right after the break. Stay tuned.
2: Are you a chef, have a catering business, or planning a party, or simply just love organic produce? If you're in the San Francisco Bay Area, walk right in to Earl's Organic Produce. Anyone can buy directly from us at wholesale prices. You don't have to be a natural food store to enjoy the freshest and most delicious organic produce. We are located on the San Francisco Produce Market at 2101 Gerald Avenue. We look forward to seeing you. Walk-in hours are Monday through Friday throughout the night from 10 p.m. to 10 a.m. Minimum purchase is one box or flat, cash or checks only. For more information, visit Earl's Organic
1: Fry Vineyards Mendocino County award winning wines without added sulfites. Available at grocery stores and online at frywine.com. That's F R E Y W I N E.com.
0: And we're back here to an organic conversation. I'm Helge Helberg.
1: And I'm Sitarani Palomar.
0: Living gluten free, our topic in this hour a show dedicated to keeping it healthy and delicious every day. All the creativity that you can possibly find will have the answers here for you today. And we are joined now by Ilana Amsterdam, the author of several books, including Paleo Cooking from... Ilana's Pantry, gluten-free, grain-free, dairy-free recipes. That's com. who's joining us from Boulder, a fantastic chef and fabulous author, to give us the inspiration and framework to live gluten-free with certainty, creativity, flavor, and no flour, and excitement. Hopefully, she's with us now. Ilana, are you there?
3: I am. Thanks so much for having me, Helga. It's
0: such a joy. Be yeah, here with you and Sifa. We have covered angles of gluten-free in recent episodes, but we wanted to have a real kind of lifestyle, you know, how do you live a gluten-free diet? And of course, you are the person to have on the show with us. So thanks for making time.
3: Oh, thank you so much for having me. I'm just thrilled to be with you guys.
1: I remember when your first book, the Gluten-Free Almond Flour Cookbook, was that your yeah, first one? that's right. I remember when that came out. It's such a gorgeous book, and it really revolutionized Gluten-Free because it made baking possible again. Oh, so thank you for that. It's you. inspired so many people. And just as Helga was saying, you know, we have spent time on the show. We, we had a great episode on allergies with naturopathic Dr. Todd Bourne, who explained the difference between sensitivities versus intolerances versus allergies. And when it comes to gluten, there is celiac disease, which is an autoimmune, but plenty of people choose to live a gluten-free lifestyle, even if they don't have celiac, whether they're limiting or eliminating gluten from their diet. And because we've talked a lot about this, and you know, there's a lot of basic information out there for people about getting rid of the breads and the baked goods and the pasta and tortillas and pretzels, et cetera, et cetera. And also just to make sure you read your labels on your vinegar And sauces so you're not getting hidden gluten. But there are there's still a lot of hidden gluten in things. If you're trying to make this a lifestyle choice, it's much more than just cutting out bread and baked goods. Can you let us know some of the places where gluten is hiding that people might not consider to look?
3: Absolutely, Sita. I think you framed the issue of going gluten free so well in stating that there's obvious places where we need to avoid gluten in bagels and bread and tortillas and then it's uh, gluten can hide as well in a lot of processed food and places that you would be very surprised to find it. The biggest thing that we deal with, and I say we because my son, who's now 17 years old, was diagnosed with celiac disease in 1998 when he was three years old. I'm sorry, I was diagnosed in 1998. He was born in 98 and diagnosed when he was three years old in 2001. So anyway, not to complicate it, but it's been decades now of, of living gluten-free mm. for both of us. And the other day, he, we were at the health food store, and he wanted a trail mix. And we read the label, and we realized that the chocolate in the trail mix had barley malt in it. And as you know, anyone who's avoiding gluten or who has celiac disease needs to strictly avoid wheat, barley, rye. And oats are a bit of a gray area because you can find oats that are not cross-contaminated with those other three grains. So chocolate, candy, sauces are also a very big issue. When he and I dine out in restaurants, we are super careful to, he's a little more adventurous than I am. He'll get gluten-free food with sauce, but we have to make sure there's no flour in the sauce because classic roux are thickened with wheat flour. Right. I have not just celiac, but a couple other autoimmune diseases on top of it. And I actually went grain-free about 15 years ago on top of being gluten-free. And so when I go out for lunch or dinner or breakfast, I just get everything plain. I will get eggs or meat and vegetables, and I just ask them to leave all the sauces off.
0: And you so you're saying Ilana that even even the barley sugar, the barley malt that is added sometimes in products particularly snacks or candy bars. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You're saying that could be an issue for somebody who's highly sensitive because the gluten from the grain might have traveled through the sugar extraction into the product.
3: Yes, wow. we do not. He and I will not eat anything with barley malt in it because barley is gluten.
0: And it's so interesting because really when we talk about gluten, whether you know you're sensitive or you suspect it or whether you you are fine, and we can talk about that, how there are cycles where somebody was fine and then for 10 years they had to stay gluten-free and then they could tolerate it again mm-hmm. to some degree. But at the end of the day, gluten is an allergen. and. G- People sometimes do well or better if they just as a test cut it out for you know several weeks to really have an effect on the body. But I have not heard anyone who hasn't cut out gluten who said they don't feel better. Nobody has cut it out and said I feel worse. So um, (laughs)
3: I'm with you on that. I haven't ever heard of anyone who felt bad cutting out
0: gluten. So um coming into that when we when even if somebody listens to the show and just wants to really try that for a week or for a month, um even though the, the longer you do it, the more you clean your system, but Mm -hmm. just to feel the effect after five days of maybe feeling less bloated, just to see if it has Mm -hmm. an effect on you. What are some of your favorite ways, like when it comes to gluten-free meal planning, where do you begin?
3: This is for all the families and mothers out there. The first thing that I did in creating a meal plan was get each of my children when they were about, they were about, they're a year and a half apart, they're about six and seven years old, starting elementary school. I had them each write down on a piece of paper their 10 favorite dinners.
0: <laughs> and that, that so way great. they
3: felt like they were contributing sure. in the meal planning.
0: Being heard. And
3: there were no excuses. If mm-hmm. I made something, oh, I don't like this. So first I had them help in selecting the meals. And we have, they select really interesting things. One of their favorites since they were really little was chicken Caesar salad. <laughs> they just love it. And so and meatloaf and hamburgers and just really healthy things. And then my other strategy, this is a little bit less meal planning, but in getting the right foods into the right people, which is my children, always having them involved in the preparation Mm -hmm. and of the meals. And mealtime is really um, beyond a family affair in our house. They don't just request meals and they still, I still have those pieces of paper. Actually, I I took photographs of those pieces of paper in their messy little elementary school handwriting and um, saved them on my computer. But um, mealtime is not just a family affair in terms of the four of us sitting down to eat together without cell phones. When I get in the kitchen to start the meal, they have to put their cell phones away. They cannot be on their cell phones while I'm standing cooking. Mm -hmm. I'll make an exception if they are overloaded with homework or someone's not feeling that well but I don't like to act like my house is a restaurant, even Mm. though sometimes my refrigerator and pantry look that way. (laughs) Everyone needs to put their energy and love into the food that we're going to eat. And that's also a fantastic strategy on a biochemical level because digestion does not start in our stomachs and it doesn't even start in our mouths. With taste, digestion starts by engaging all five of your senses in the basically in the cooking process. So you touch the food. Actually, before you touch it, you open the refrigerator and you see the food, then you touch it. Then say you're cutting an onion, you start to smell it. It's frying in some olive oil or ghee or butter. You can hear it sizzling. And then the last sense that is engaged in digestion is taste when you put Mm -hmm. the food in your mouth. So I think it really also helps all of us just on a health level. To be engaged in the cooking process, that's incredibly creative. The boys feel more empowered because they're getting to eat what they choose. They're getting to eat what they make. And we're actually helping our digestive systems and our whole bodies by becoming completely engaged in the process. Subsequently, I think that we have so many digestive issues in this country because so many people are eating fast food or dining mm-hmm. out for so many of their meals that they're not getting to engage their entire body physically and being in the consumption of food.
0: Well, I knew when we asked you to be a guest on the show that this would be way more than just about gluten-free cooking. (laughs) (laughs) I love that reminder that um, it it all starts with the meal planning. And and honestly, you know, some mothers or, or the equivalent of a mother at home, whoever cooks for the family, it's a tough job. And you make it easier on yourself, actually, if you ask the family what are their favorite foods. Yeah. Uh, then not just that their buy-in, but you actually just then just quote unquote need to replace you know the ingredient that you don't want, but still create the final meal that they liked. Mm-hmm. So that is it's a win-win really. The more you know, we communicate and listen to one another. We always say that on the show in so many other capacities. It will be a win win. Enrollment is just um, really important. So, yeah. thanks for that reminder. Um, you're, we, you're listening to an organic conversation. I'm Helga Helbert. And
1: I'm Sita Rani Palomar.
0: And we are speaking with Ilana Amsterdam, the author of Paleo Cooking from Ilana's Pantry Gluten free, grain free, dairy free recipes in this show, Living Gluten Free, Keeping It Healthy and Delicious Every Day. And her website is ilanaspantry.com. So,
1: Ilana, I was thinking exactly what you summed up. 2 in the end of that answer that you just gave about it's so easy if we don't have any sensitivities that we just pick up something quick for dinner and we lose that entire beautiful intentional process of cooking and engaging with our family at the same time. And so when you are catering to sensitivities and you're having to do more of your meals, there's a certain amount of work involved, but there's also I mean, not just the work of, of making it, but thinking about it. And you were talking about for you, like when you go out to eat and you order breakfast and you've got your your eggs and your, you know, whatever you get that doesn't have any sauce on it because you want to avoid the possibility of any flour, mm-hmm. that is more limited than if you were to make yourself something at home. Right. So right. how do you keep all of these meals, breakfast, lunch, and dinner interesting at home?
3: Oh, well, that is a challenge.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and as you pointed out,
3: I'm highly motivated to eat at home because when I Go out for breakfast. I'm going to get eggs with a salad, and unless I know the owner of the restaurant, I'm going to get olive oil and lemon on the side of that salad, and put that as a dra- drizzle, that on as a dressing myself. So I have a lot more options when I'm at home. Mm-hmm. It's also a lot more work to make everything and scratch cook to keep it interesting. Well, actually, this is the antithesis of interesting. <laughs> we have a lot of leftovers. For the boys, I'll make them scrambled eggs and turkey bacon for breakfast. For myself, usually I will have a green juice for breakfast. And then for lunch, I'll have leftovers. The challenge with children is packing a lunch that they like. So I also have them make lists of everything they (laughs) wanted in their lunch each day. They packed their lunches from when they were in nursery school, preschool, up until they entered high school. And now I just believe that they have so much homework that it's better for me to pack it. But I wanted them to have the skill sets of knowing how to pack the food, being aware we're using wax paper bags instead of plastic bags. We're using even metal little tins for a lot of their, when they were younger for a lot of the sides that went along with their lunches. So again, keeping them very engaged was a strategy. And then I'm always coming up with new recipes. Like um, if you look at the cover of my book, Paleo Cooking, You can see in the center the bagels, the paleo bagels that I made. I was just
1: going to ask you about those. Literally, I was just thinking about those beautiful poppy seed bagels. Sorry. No, I was, saying, I was just thinking about them. They're, they look like beautiful poppy seed bagels. And how are you yeah. doing this? And
0: what a delicious time to take a little break. Oh, Ilana, we'll take right. a quick break. And we sure. want to keep our listeners hungry for all the creative recipes that we will go through for breakfast, lunch, and dinner right when we come back. Stay tuned. This is An Organic Conversation. I'm Helga Hilbert. And
1: I'm Sita Rani Palomar.
0: And our topic today is living gluten-free, keeping it healthy and delicious every day. We'll be right back with more. Stay tuned.
1: Produce is ever-changing, seasons coming and going. At Earls Organic, we have been sourcing solely organic produce for over 20 years. Since 1988, Earls Organic Produce has been establishing strong relationships with growers and developing a deep understanding of the seasons, so you can offer the most delicious organic produce to your customers, staff, and clients year-round. For organic produce, visit Earls Organic Produce at EarlsOrganic.com. That's EarlsOrganic.com.
0: And we are back here to an organic conversation. I'm Hege Helberg. And
1: I'm Ronnie Palemar.
0: Our topic and main focus in this hour is living gluten-free, keeping it healthy and delicious every day. And who else to have on the show with us? Then Ilana Amsterdam, the author of Paleo Cooking from Ilana's Pantry, gluten-free, grain-free, dairy-free recipes. Again, the website is ilanaspantry.com, who's joining us today from Boulder. Colorado.
1: So Ilana, just before we went to the break, we were starting to get into some of your favorite ways to keep breakfast interesting. And you talked about scrambled eggs and turkey bacon that you make for your sons, but you also play around with a lot of recipes. And you were just mentioning this great gluten-free, grain-free bagel recipe.
3: Yes, indeed. That is um, (laughs) such an amazingly versatile recipe. And my children and my husband just love it and scarf it down. We actually made it... um, as one of the dishes at our breakfast, we had paleo bagels with smoked mm. salmon, and people went gaga for that. And mo- all, pretty much, of my recipes are very easy to make. This recipe has an almond flour base, and I mix in flax, meal and coconut flour, baking soda, and salt, and then you have eggs and apple cider vinegar. And you just whiz it all together in a food processor, and then we use a little donut pan to make the bagels. And um, initially when I wrote this book, we only made poppy seed bagels, but now we make, it's kind of one recipe three ways now. Then after the poppy seed bagels, we started making everything bagels, which have poppy seeds, salt, garlic and onion flakes and sesame seeds on them. And then the third rendition of this recipe is mini bagels. And my husband and children go crazy for the mini bagels.
1: And Ilana, do these freeze well? Can you make a bunch and put them in the freezer? That way they're easier to pull out? I think, I have have to confess, I have not ever had the opportunity to freeze (laughs) They get get devoured right away. I (laughs) have
3: um, them in the refrigerator right now and I wrap them in a paper towel and then put them in a Ziploc bag and they last for. a week if they will last that long because nobody eats them.
0: Well if if one ever escapes um, <laughs> right put, right. It, put it in the freezer and let us know no 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 just put it in the freezer let us know if that's an option and we can post that on facebook.com/again forward organic conversation of course as a follow up to the show uh, just for people to know because it's true if you can make 50 in one swoop one morning and you know freeze 30 you can take them out and toast them fresh yeah As you need them, Uh, always nice to save that time and that effort. That's I great. I that when
3: we I think I might after this need to go make
1: some and freeze some. <laughs> well, we can't wait to hear report on demand. Yeah. Well, another thing that really interested me was part of your conversation earlier about your one of your son's favorite dishes was chicken caesar salad and that's such a, yeah. a a relatively quick thing to put together. It's a great way to keep lunch really healthy and you're making your own caesar dressing so you don't have to worry about whether somebody put soy sauce into their right. dressing in which case it would have wheat. So like, what about lunch do you use to keep it healthy and still really delicious and exciting?
3: Lunch is a lot of salads. Mm -hmm. And for me, it's mostly salad with leftover protein from the night before it could be cut up pieces of steak, grilled chicken. Uh, It could even just be a kale, raw kale salad with some bolognese sauce heated up over it. Um, And for my children, I do pack them a lot of bagels and a lot of Sandwiches with turkey and um, homemade mayonnaise and lots of fruits and vegetables. I'm really lucky because both my sons really like fruit, Mm. nature's candy, so that Mm. makes me very happy. And then we'll put in the school lunches things like seaweed with sesame oil that we buy at the health food store. I, I have a little schedule so that every Monday I make them the same thing, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. It's a rotation, and then if they start to get bored, they can just cross something off the list and add something new.
1: I love that. I love how you've engaged them so much in their meals and it probably just makes things much easier, much, much easier. It's for so you. much
3: easier and there's a lot less complaining because children can be picky <laughs> sometimes. So they're only criticizing themselves. And then I just say, okay, well, if you don't like that anymore and you're tired of it, what would you like? Yeah. Don't sure. tell me what you don't want. Tell <laughs> me what you do
1: want. Right.
0: That's good. So
3: yeah, there's a lot of positive engagement around it. I think they've become really empowered, and I see them not just making their own food, but I have also cute little pictures on my phone of recipes that they create. Like, especially my older son, when he, he'll make his own waffles from scratch, and he'll write down the ingredients on a paper and have me save it in case he wants to make it again. I think it's just natural to them, because growing up, they've just seen me writing all my
0: own recipes. They will be living in their own world at one point or in the yep. world. And it's just such a good foundation that they are learning and that you give them, you know, even when they go out in, in restaurants and to, to know and learn. It's really a skill yeah. to, whether it's gluten free or any other allergy or just something you want to avoid, to be a, a discerning eater on whatever yeah. level. It's just um, a yeah. really good foundation that I wished actually every school would teach
3: mm. I wish as that basic. I Just even teaching them to grocery shop and know that when they pick up a piece of fruit yeah. the nine on that little label on the apple means it's organic and the That's four right. means it's conventional.
0: Whatever the label is. And we may were say. doing
3: that yeah. when they were little in preschool. No, let's not get that. Let's look for the organic apples if you want to get that. So yeah, it's very empowering and I think they, they love food and, and they actually argue with each other about who's the better chef and one of, one of my sons says he's a super taster oh. and that he can judge my recipes better than the other ones. So it's a lot of fun can be a little competitive, We're
1: a, competitive family. <laughs> a healthy challenge in the household yeah. well I want to make sure that we have time to get to um, our couple other questions before we wrap the sure. interview and we didn't yet cover dinner but what I will say is that as I look through this book the paleo cooking from Ilana's pantry book there there are lots of great recipes for roasted vegetables like beets and onions and ways to get really good color and and, and flavor out of your meats and then mm-hmm. also these wonderful sauces and it's not all it doesn't have to be like being gluten-free doesn't necessarily mean you have to be paleo you can be gluten-free and be vegetarian and Mm -hmm. this book still gives you tons of ideas there's like there's a great recipe for a vegan basil cream sauce so lots of ways to keep it interesting and and i've i am really looking forward to going and cooking from this book (laughs) but I
0: I do want to dive in as a German having grown up with bread every every day of my life literally and pretzels and whatever else the stereotypical uh, images of a German it's all true (laughs) (laughs) When we talk about the bagel recipe, what are the best substitutes for pasta or for bread when that kind of craving for flour or for that kind of doughy substance comes in? Do you, do you use that bagel recipe for everything you do, for, even for, for pasta or for pizza?
3: Oh, like- no. I have other recipes for dozens of breads, everything from like a sandwich bread. I have a recipe on my website for cashew bread. And you dump all the ingredients in a food processor, throw it in a pan and bake it in the oven for an hour. And you have a beautiful loaf of bread. That's what I use quite often for my children's sandwiches. And then I have sweet breads like paleo date walnut bread, pumpkin bread, Irish soda bread. So for bread, I like to make my own bread from scratch. If I'm feeling lazy or not super hungry, I'll use pieces of romaine lettuce or butter lettuce with a sandwich with turkey and mayo and mustard and pickles and tomatoes. My boys will do that sometimes, but a lot of the times they have a st- bigger appetite than I do, so they use bread. For pastas, I only use vegetables for my pastas because I am trying to eat as many vegetables in a day as I can at this point. I've noticed over the decades that so many foods have been vilified but I can't find any studies vilifying <laughs>
0: green vegetables. I'm so sure I there's somebody <laughs> who, yeah, who somebody will, will go will, out right? and look for somebody who actually thinks that well, we vegetables just, are the source of evil. But
1: well, Helga, we were just talking about this on the drive up, though. We were talking about if you have a spiralizer and you can put zucchini oh, yeah, or carrot through the spiralizer, yeah. they come out like these long spaghetti noodles. Yeah, angel hair yeah. pasta we out of
0: vegetables. The-
1: we
3: love using yellow summer squash, zucchini. I love making spaghetti squash this time of year. Putting marinara and bolognese or meatballs over spaghetti squash is absolutely amazing. When I make zucchini noodles, I like them to taste a little more like pasta. So I'll sa- saute them with a little salt and olive oil and maybe some herbs to Provence. And it's unbelievable with some meatballs and tomato sauce on it. It's just incredible. So, Ilana, if, really
0: if somebody good. listens to this but still wants a substitute for gluten in terms of dough, can you give us your oh, sure. one or two or three best tips for, for whatever use? What flour substitutes are you using that creates that kind of doughy pizza-like consistency? Absolutely,
3: I love almond flour. When I started cooking in the dark ages of gluten-free... Um, uh, In 1998, there were not a lot of options for gluten-free flours. And when you did have options, you had to combine six different flours, Mm -hmm. like rice flour, potato starch, tapioca, all kinds of things. The benefit of almond flour is that it's easy. You can make great doughs out of it. It is healthy. It's super high protein. And best of all, it tastes amazing. So I use almond flour. It's not exactly a one-to-one ratio, for wheat flour recipes, but the, my books and my website and in general just the internet has, I bet, hundreds of thousands of already pre-tested almond flour recipes that are just amazing. So almond flour is my go-to flour mm-hmm. when I want something gluteny Great. and to sink my teeth into. But I also use um, coconut flour. I have for breakfast, we make paleo crepes out of coconut flour. And we use those crepes also to make blintzes. We'll use them for tortillas when we want Mexican food. So and same, same thing,
0: and so you whatever the conversion rate is exactly, you, you basically use it really in as a substitute for wheat? Like the, the base would be coconut flour?
3: Yeah, almond, almond flour or coconut flour, and once in a while I'll combine them. But um, almond flour and coconut flour just create incredible baked goods
1: this yeah. episode is making me so hungry so really, even, everything even sounds for, so for a pizza
0: dough not that I love pizza but I do uh, even for a pizza dough you would use you would use almond flour or maybe yeah, you know, two-third, one-third mix
3: I have an amazing pizza crust recipe that my family eats that I have not posted on my website and it's almond. I will post it for you Helga okay. <laughs> trust me, I will post it for you because I can tell you like pizza as much as I do So that has almond flour and flax meal as the base. It's just great. A lot you of know, protein the, and a lot of fiber, but, and it tastes
0: unbelievable. Lovely, and oh, I, I thank you for that. posting that because the holidays are coming up, and there are potlucks coming. And if you know, if somebody wanted to bring a pizza, it's just really considerate if it's yummy <laughs> for people who might at the party who you don't know always uh, everyone uh, have a sensitivity to say, "Hey, I brought a big pizza, and it's all gluten-free." I think that's such a treat. E- if it's delicious, people who want to eat gluten don't mind, and if it's if there are people who are sensitive to gluten that you will make their night so that's just wonderful thank you for posting that and you're welcome i also
3: have a recipe on my site for a (laughs) pizza muffin that i think you would like
1: okay
0: cool and
3: my kids (laughs) just love that one that's a great one for the lunches
1: oh that sounds good for breakfast too i'm Mm -hmm. a savory for breakfast kind of person Mm -hmm, personally so so I, I feel like that we probably already have enough inspiration, but there's one more question that I want to ask before we go. And that's about how to be mindful when you're eating out gluten-free and whether this is yeah. for people who are gluten-free or people who are going to be dining with friends and family who are gluten-free, how can you make it easy and fulfilling?
3: So I think the most important thing actually is communication. And I think the kitchen's, that of the restaurants we eat at can do a lot of things it needs but you're dealing with more than just the kitchen and you're dealing with more than just a server mm-hmm. so it's really important to communicate very clearly and actually very respectfully whether you're gluten free or not to your server i will say that as a former waitress in my mm-hmm. younger days and if you can get the servers buy in you can pretty much get them to do anything for you and I usually look at the menu and figure out what I want. It's always protein with vegetables when it comes to my ordering. And because I'm not just gluten-free, I'm also completely grain-free and paleo, and I don't even eat potatoes. I decide what I want before I talk to the waiter or server, and then I will say, when they say, what what can I get for you? all say, well, I have celiac disease, so that they know it's not like just a kind of passing gluten-free fancy. They'll take it a little bit more seriously, though everyone should take all of this gluten-free stuff seriously. Tell them I have celiac disease. Can you help me figure out what will be easiest for the kitchen Mm -hmm. to make me? Mm -hmm. And then usually they smile and they're thrilled that you're not going to put them through a bunch of hoops, (laughs) make them jump through a bunch of hoops. And then I'll say, what about the salmon with a side of kale or whatever greens you have back there instead of potatoes or french fries and they're super helpful and people want to help you if you can get their buy-in so that's worked really well for me.
0: Yeah I love that it's you know instead of demanding it and, and making yourself more important than we really are it is important to honor that and and if you make them a partner in your choice and actually I've seen that when I've done that in restaurants whatever special request I had and really came from a you know can you help me figure this out the chefs went beyond what they Mm -hmm. would have done (laughs) for their regular menu really I've gotten dishes where I said you know whatever the chef can do whatever is easy but this is what I'm trying to stay on diet wise and it's really important to me and Really, I got the most, um, I got the best dish of the table uh, because, the, you know, the too. chef. Yeah,
3: <laughs> And I always thank at least once after they bring my food and when they bring the check. Thank you so much. Can you please thank the kitchen yeah. for making special food for me? I'm so grateful.
0: Because for them, it's almost a welcome break. You know, they, they cook the their menu. menu, but for them to really show off for a minute, maybe if it's a super full restaurant, that's not mm-hmm. the greatest time. But there's always somebody who, they're chefs. They want to you know, enamor you with their food and... If mm-hmm. there's a special request and you become their, their partner or friend um, in that mm-hmm. moment, they, they will just go the extra length most often. So don't be afraid of asking. Don't be too shy to mention that. As long as you said, Ilana, as long as you make it a real conversation piece with the serving staff and get them on your side, uh, mm-hmm. you might be surprised by the results. Yeah, work together. <laughs> Always. What a yeah. great <laughs> yeah. great reminder. Wonderful.
1: It's been such a, a pleasure to have you on the air. Like I said, I've been a big fan of yours since your very first cookbook oh, came out. Checking out you. your, your website even then and how much it has expanded over the years and your many cookbooks later, you've inspired just so many people around the world about how to eat well, even, you know, without what seems to be kind of the most conventional staple in Western American diet. Which is <laughs> Well <good>. said, Sita. <laughs> and I I love talking gluten-free and I'm especially had
3: a great time talking to you, Sita and Helga, and I just really appreciate you taking the time to chat about one of my favorite subjects with me.
0: You are the authority. That's Ilana Amsterdam, who joined us from Boulder, Colorado today, the author of a beautiful, beautiful book, Paleo Cooking from Ilana's Pantry, gluten-free, grain-free, and dairy-free recipes. And again, that website is ilanaspantry.com. Thank you, Ilana, for making the time today to be with us and for all your posts about the gluten-free pizza dough. I'm so excited. <laughs> right Thank after the show, I'll go there and, and check it you. out. <laughs> Thank you so Wonderful. much for all your work.
3: Thank you. Take care, guys. Take care, you
0: too. Bye, Bye-bye. A lot Bye. This is An Organic Conversation. I'm Helga Helberg. And
1: I'm Sitarani Palomar.
0: And how apropos, always, <laughs> we can't say that every time, basically, <laughs> so much more is coming up and we're staying with the general Theme of Vegetables, Vegetables and Vegetables. Here is What's in Season. And with us now, as always, is the voice from the San Francisco produce market, Mr. Earl Herrick of Earl's Organic Produce, really the premier distributor of only and all organic fruits and vegetables for California and much of the rest of the nation. Earl, are you mm. there?
2: I am here. Hello,
0: Helga. <laughs> and I believe we are not Hello, catching Chita. you at the dock. Are we catching you at the dock? No, you're on the road again visiting farms. Yeah. <laughs> yeah
2: I'm, I'm exercising. One of my favorite things is uh, driving driving the countryside and, and visiting growers, and, and I'm in a beautiful uh, Valley. Uh, it's, it's Route 126 in Southern California, coming from Ventura, going east in this beautiful valley of Fillmore and Santa Paula. Great agricultural environment, uh, avocados and citrus, and I'm able to stop at uh, a farm MVP. This, this family, this farm is a very gracious host to me on several occasions, and uh, today we get an opportunity to talk to their head man, Manuel. Uh, are you ready for
0: this? Yeah, I just want to acknowledge you for, you know, I, I don't know how many businesses do that on on that level. I know you really take the time out of your busy schedule. And it's really one of the main things you, you love doing anyway is that relationship piece that your business, uh, Earl's Organic, is built on it on. And and you any opportunity that I know that you can get is to visit the farms and visit new farms and 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 just keep that relationship on a really personal level so that you know who you're buying from and I know you've you know you have clients or partners in this that have been with you for decades so yeah I just really want to acknowledge that relationship piece it was part of our previous interview too. enroll people mm. you know make them a partner in what you do and you do that so well. So, okay, you're at MVP Farms. I'm going to yes. guess
1: that stands for Most Valuable Produce. <laughs> well, you
2: we will find, find out. <laughs> that's, that's, well, thank you. That's very kind of you, Helga. And, and thank you. So the next voice is going to you're going to hear is going to be Manuel and and I'm going to hand it off uh, hand off the phone to him right now. All Great. All
1: right. Thank, thank you. Thanks Earl. <laughs> Hello. Hello. Manuel. Hi, how are you? Hi, how are you? Welcome to the show. Hi.
0: The man Hi. of the Hi. farm. It's great Hi. to... Hi. Thank you
4: very
1: much. Yeah, it's
0: great <laughs> to have you. And um, Manuel, let's start with MVP, Most Valuable Produce, or what does it really uh, stand well,
4: for? Well, uh, yeah, it sounds like the most valuable player.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
4: the <laughs> M stands for uh, Mumanini, the B for Bina, and the P for Prasar. Oh,
0: really? <laughs> Lovely. Well, you yeah, are... You're in a very special area, growing area, where it's hot, you have great climate for much of the year, and you're growing an absolute niche Rarity. crop. Yes. Tell us yeah. about what you grow.
4: We grow more than 110 acres of organic avocados. We also have 40 acres of uh, organic lemons and two and a half acres of uh, dragon fruit and a little bit of passion fruit.
1: That's the thing, right there. Dragon fruit and passion fruit are two yeah. incredibly unique pieces I, I, of pieces yeah. of fruit, and people tropical really are they tropical? I mean, what's what's well, the story with these? Well, they are tropical.
4: I think, uh, especially dragon fruit. I think dragon fruit come from uh, Central America, which is tropical, and uh-huh. um, but it's a kind of cactus, so it's oh. good for. Would to the California environment because they are cactus
1: Are they the ones that are kind of like watermelon colored, and you cut into them, and on the inside they're all white with little black seeds? Is that dragon Yeah, fruit? the
4: little, little, little black tiny seeds, mm-hmm. and they are, they have white flesh, red flesh, and pink flesh depending on the variety that oh, you grow. Okay. Are growing.
0: Okay. And,
4: pa- time.
0: and passion fruit is this little blue, often ball, a um, little bit smaller than a tennis ball, and it's like a lychee, but in a different color and bigger, and it doesn't have the little nubbles that a lychee has. But it's yes, this right?
4: We, yeah, that's right. We have the uh, the purple color ones, and that uh, we are about to start putting in the ground the uh, the yellow passion fruit ones that come from Brazil. Nice.
0: And uh,
4: and uh, those are for mainly people use for making juice. You see, it's a very popular, very popular fruit here in Southern California.
1: Now, I didn't realize that either of these crops were grown domestically. This is really great. You can get organic dragon fruit and organic passion fruit grown in the U.S.
4: Yeah, that's right.
0: So when when our listeners go to a store and they see organic dragon oh, when, fruit when they, oh, from...
4: Normally, yeah. you, you, you get a dragon fruit from the stores, let's say, depending on what white kind of dragon fruit. They are white. You should put them in the in the in the fridge for about two or three or four or five days. They're gonna do better. They're gonna enhance the flavor, the sugar content. Oh. The opposite happened with the pink. Leave the pink outside, don't put it in the fridge.
0: Good, so if if that. you so find it. dragon fruit and it's white you wanna chill it, you wanna cool it.
4: You wanna chill it a little bit for I mean they can do well after three or four or five days to be in the refrigerator or let's say forty five degrees uh-huh. And uh, and the uh, body pink, rather than to to enhance the flavor, they are gonna decrease the flavor. if You put it in the in the in the cooler, and uh, so leave them outside, and try to eat them uh, not right away, but at least in one or two or three days after buying them. Uh-huh. And they, you're gonna be good.
0: And so, what what are you looking for when you hold a dragon fruit in your hand? Like, do, do they need to be soft, like a um, cherimoya, or like how you know what? How how do you know it's ready to be eaten?
4: Once you get familiar with the fruit, it's like when you buy a mango, you know, mm-hmm. or uh-huh. when you buy another kind of fruit. I mean, a peach or something like that. When they are overripe, they are very soft. And uh, when they are okay, they are firm, and the color from outside is very, it's, it's a little bit dark in color. So right. you can see that the fruit is ready to go. You can eat it. Mm. Every fruit that we send to the market, they are ready to go. You can eat them whenever you whenever you want. They're ready to put it on your table. When you try your fruit with your hands, and you put it in your hands, it's right something between being soft and firm. Something, Something right in between. That's the best way to go. Then the fruit is ready to eat.
0: Great. And what's the flavor like for you?
4: Well, if you ask me myself, I go for the pink because they are sweeter than the red and than the white. But if you you really have a plain flavor, you should better go for the white. Okay. They have a, a plain flavor. And the red, especially for the European guys, they go for the red because the antioxidant, oh. and uh, but red get a little bit of acidity that you can feel it in your mouth, and uh, but they still, I mean, they, they're really delicious, and, uh, but I go for the pink because it's a little bit sweeter than the others, too.
0: Okay, wow.
1: I think that we should put all of this information into a blog. Like we should get some photos from MVP Farms of the different types of dragon fruit and then we can Mm -hmm. explain everything you just said about this is how you select each of them, this is how you store Store each of them and these are the the tasting notes. Because people don't know, they see this really this unusual looking fruit and they either are very adventurous and they'll just try it right there or they'll stay away from it because they don't know what to expect. And I think we can demystify that. Let's
0: do that. Thank you so much, Manuel.
1: Anytime. You're very welcome.
0: This is wonderful. Great to have you. (laughs) You too. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Thank Thank you, you, Manuel.
2: There
0: you go. Oh, wow. that's just great. Wow.
1: He knows his dragon fruit. He
0: knows his dragon fruit, really. Um, we <laughs> yes, were just saying, Earl, which you might have not heard, that we want to put this in a blog for people with photos. Here's the white one. Here's the pink one. Here's the red one. Here are the flavor differences, and this is what you do with one compared to the yeah. other storage-wise. Wonderful.
2: Yeah, it was a, yeah. I'll tell you, being down here is great, and I just went to a one-day seminar there was just an incredible amount of people there that are passionate about this product, and, mm. it, and it's obviously just emerging. So there's a lot to learn, and um, we'll definitely be shooting out some blogs, doing some photographs, We'll get that information out to you real soon.
0: Thanks for opening up the world of dragon fruit and passion fruit to us. Um, Yes. We'll have you back next week. That's Earl Herrick in the (laughs) land of dragon fruit. So cool. (laughs) Thank you. All right. Bringing bringing dragon fruit to a store near you soon. Uh, Thanks, Earl. We'll talk to you next week. (laughs) Great. Take care. Bye. Bye.
1: You know, Ilana was saying that she's so grateful that both of her sons really love fruit. And it's like, she called it nature's candy. Boy, when you have things like dragon fruit and passion fruit, that really is nature's candy. I mean, they're sweet and they have enough acidity that it's like... Yeah, and unlike any any other fruit you have out there. It's so unique.
0: Totally. Wonderful. Well, that wraps up a packed hour. delicious hour. Of fruit and dragons and, and vegetables truckers. and gluten-free <laughs> cooking. We'll be back Everything. with another episode next week. All this right. is An Organic Conversation. I'm Helga Helberg. And I'm
1: Ronnie Palomar. <laughs> Take Bye. care. An Organic Conversation is a proud production of the Organic Media Network. Associate producer, Kristen Ponger.
0: This show would not be possible without the ongoing support from our listeners. Whether it's a dollar a month or a one-time donation, please consider becoming a patron of An Organic Conversation. For more information on how to support this program, please visit patreon.com. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com forward slash An Organic Conversation. Thank you for your contribution.
1: An organic conversation is made possible through listeners like you and the fantastic support of our underwriters. Earl's Organic Produce, a national distributor providing certified organic fruits and vegetables for your store, home, or business since 1988. The website is earlsorganic.com.
0: And also Fry Vineyards, America's first certified organic winery, producing organic and certified biodynamic wine. For more information, frywine.com. That's F-R-E-Y-W-I-N-E dot Thank you as well to Bowman
1: College, focused on holistic nutrition and culinary arts for over 20 years. Bowman College offers professional training programs that prepare individuals for careers as nutrition consultants and natural chefs. Their website is bowmancollege.org. That's B-A-U-M-A-N college
0: if you missed parts of this show or for any other episode, go to iTunes or anorganicconversation.com.
1: And for more information, health tips, recipes, and your daily dose of inspiration, please follow us on facebook.com forward slash conversation.
0: We are your hosts, Helga Helberg.
1: And Citarani Palomar.
0: And we'll be back right here, same place, same time, next week. See you then.
1: Bye.